As a small business owner, your to-do list is long. The Knot makes advertising easy and connects you with the right couples at the right time. Visit vendors.thenot.com slash podcast for 15% off your first month with code podcast15. You're listening to Sports Radio Detroit. Get the scoop on Tigers today. You're listening to Tigers SRD on SportsRadioDetroit.com. Welcome to another episode of Tigers SRD here on SportsRadioDetroit.com, powered by the Overtime Media Network, and of course on the Tigers Minor League Report. I'm Roger Castillo, alongside Chris Brown, as we sit in as the Tigers lose again to the Texas Rangers today. Spencer Petrubo goes down. We'll give an injury update for you. There's a what we have a lot to get to, but first and foremost, I, have to, I, I it would be apropos if I play this because uh, I just saw this. We just saw this right before we went on air um, from Bless You Boys. As I uh, crank up the old uh, prices, right? Come on down, and the Tigers sign Trevor Rosenthal to a minor league deal per report, and well, Chris. His numbers weren't looking too good. 16 runs and six one-thirds innings for the Nationals this year. It's a 22.74 ERA. Wow, nice. 21.32 walks per nine innings. Um, Jeez. Oh, not ideal. Not ideal. But I actually kind of like this. <laughs> I mean, he, he went out there and proved that he's no good. But he's still throwing really hard. And he was a pretty good closer a few years ago before he blew out his elbow. So the velocity's back. They always say the command is the last thing that comes out with that. Um, you know, give him a chance down in the minors. Maybe he figures the thing out, and uh, maybe he appreciates that you signed him, and you you know, bring him up, and, and you got something, and who knows. But uh, highly unlikely when somebody's that wild. But it's worth a shot. They've got nothing else going on. Yeah, and they what they showed, too, on uh, Bless You Boys is what he was throwing – at, he maxed out 101, so he's throwing. He's averaging 98.1 so far this year. So he's maxed at 101, but he's throwing 98. Man, I'll, I'll I'll take that any day of the week if honed if honed correctly. But that's where I kind of worry. Hopefully, what the Tigers were able to do down in Toledo and, and figure it out from there, which involved. There's, I mean, there's going to be some movement coming up here, perhaps. With, Trenser, uh, with Spencer Turnbull's injury, it was undisclosed, but it was just shoulder fatigue. Is that what the final di- diagnosis was, Chris? That's what uh, Gardenhire said on TV today. He said his, his yeah, shoulder fatigue. They noticed his fastball velocity dropped. I was I was watching sort of and, and also checking the StatCast feed, and I saw a bunch of pitches were listed at like 88, 89. I just assumed that they were breaking balls, but apparently that was his fastball. So he, I just I think it's, uh, you know, we've seen this with Turnbull two or three times in the minors where he, he'll go out for three or four weeks or longer with a shoulder you know, discomfort. So it might just be how he's built, and this is that time to do that. So we might – I don't know. They said they'll, they'll know more tomorrow. They did MRI. There's no damage. but uh, So maybe he'll make his next start or maybe he'll be out for a little while. But, you know, it's not, not great, although maybe it explains a little bit of his struggles recently. Yeah, and, and when I was listening to the game on radio today, Dan Dickerson thinks that – Next possible likely candidate is uh, Drew Verhagen. 
who we talked about this in the Mudhens podcast, as his numbers line up pretty well, I guess, you know, depends on your definition of well, but he's done be- as good as a star- starter down in the Mudhens. He's the only starter for Toledo that has not given up a home run in their past three starts, and now here he goes again, having another yet a possible uh, opportunity to get it back up to the majors. <sighs> Yeah, I, I, you know, they're just going to keep cycling through him and Ryan Carpenter, and they'll have to try to get Gregory Soto and Nick Ramirez, and I, it's possible. Uh, I don't know why, what benefit, other than they just need somebody to eat some innings. But, yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I keep. I think I mentioned the minor league podcast. I assume that there's going to be a fair amount of roster movement beginning in, like, three days, on July 1st. But who knows? Maybe I'm incorrect about that, and, yeah. It's just the Drew Verhagen experience all over again. But, you know, we got what, – what is this uh, for the Tigers? Six straight losses? Yeah, this is – yeah, they've, they have not won a series. They haven't won a series this month. Is that 10 of their last 11? 10 out of their last 11. Yeah. Um, I think they have the, the – do they have the second worst record in baseball now or are the Royals still – The Royals are still – the game is – the Royals are still uh, last – or they'll have one of the worst. Yeah, so, yeah so it's the Orioles, the Royals, and the Tigers. But the, the Royals have a much better run dif- uh, differential than than the Tigers. And we presume that if and when Shane Green gets traded, that's going to <laughs> get even worse for the Tigers because he's kind of one of the only reasons that they've had uh, some success late in games. They're not blowing games. Yeah, the Tigers are 4-17. and 17. For the month of June, we'll get to the, that. That'll be part of my good and bad ugly alert. My my inside number. We'll get to a little later about that. Uh, but um, yeah, it's in the, against the Rangers today. What was the, they get a really good stat, um, Chris? That you were tweeting earlier about their offensive statistics right now. Oh, they're just uh, yeah, they're they're twenty eighth, twenty ninth, or thirtieth in just about every single offensive category. Uh, also, I think twenty seventh on defense. So. It's it's just an incredibly inept offense right now, and that's what I talked about last week in my inside the numbers, and I, I doubled down again this week for my inside the numbers, just yeah. to prove how how bad they are. <laughs> and I do. In addition, the the good, the bad, and ugly, the are inside the numbers. We're going to talk a little bit. Uh, we're going to we'll talk about Chris's forty forty tweet thread, which got a lot of praise, and rightfully so. It was a very well done, Chris. So first Man. and foremost, whoever the listen, who was the listener that suggested that, by the way. Oh, boy, I don't remember. I feel bad about that. Because <laughs> I mentioned it on the show last week, and he's like, hey, I'd like to hear that. Let me see. I don't want to, you know, I feel bad being like a, uh, um, oh, it was Detroit Sports, Detroit Pride 37. Okay. Oh, well, thank you, Detroit Pride 37, for the suggestion, and I'm much appreciated for that. Um, yeah, I know. I refuse to believe that most people actually read that. They probably just looked at it and were like, well, all right, here's a comment for the effort. But I'm not reading that. That's way too long, and I don't blame him because I wouldn't read it. <laughs> There's inter- <laughs> attention spans are shorter and shorter. I know I get it, but uh, also I do want to talk a little bit. And if we get if we get the opportunity to talk a little bit of the international free agent market, which is coming up here next week on July 2nd, and I'm sending Chris over some of the prospects out there on that list. And because there was what was funny was uh, I think it was Chipman was talking about. Uh, Pedro Martinez Jr. showing up to camp. It did not look pretty good. And Tigers spent uh, $800,000 on him. 
what was it? I think it was something like that, right? Some nice little bonus or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, they gave him yeah. uh, close to a million dollars. I think he was the. Is that the same the same year that they got? Um, what's his name? Alvaro Gonzalez and Carlos Uruguayan, I think, were the two that, big yeah, signings. Yeah, I remember and, that. And yeah, well, Pedro yeah. Martinez. Yeah, that was the um, one or three. Yeah. Yeah, and that was just a weird one because he was not Pedro Martinez Jr. was not on any like. You know, MLB Pipeline does a top 30 international prospects. I think they may do 50 now. And Baseball America used to do a top 50 international prospects. And Fangraphs does, uh, you know, top however many. And Pedro wasn't on any of those. And yet he got close to a million dollars. And, yeah, it just, uh, I mean, they supposedly he has some raw power, but it was, uh, I don't know what this was about. We'll see. Give him time. He's young. Yeah, and, and last year, I mean, last year's pick was uh, Jose de la Cruz, who they signed for one at one point eight five million. So they had yeah, he, and and Adinso Reyes got like one and a half million. They made two pretty big signings last year, and they're both doing pretty well so far early on in the DSL. But that you know, that's like good high school baseball, maybe solid high school baseball. So yeah. you can't really <laughs> can't really uh, pick up too much out of that. But as we always say, doing good in the minors is better than doing badly. Yeah, and it's like that weird gray area between college and high school. But, uh, I mean, the Tigers had 31 signings last year. So this year, I'm not sure what they're aiming aiming for, um, What how many they're going to aim for. But either way, I don't know. Chris, traditionally, they just aim for how many they can sign within the, their bonus pool, correct? With their allowed money? Yeah, generally, it's it's – so they haven't been connected – on, on this year's list, Baseball America didn't do one, and they had an article about why they didn't do that. And it basically amounts to, like, it's just pointless because these kids are signing when they're, like, 13 and 14. Not necessarily signing, but they're coming to agreements. And then once they do that, they stop playing. They stop going playing in showcases and stuff. So it, ranking them is just kind of silly. Um, but so there were no guys who, have t- uh, who are tied to the Tigers on Fangraph's list and none on the MLB Pipeline list. And presumably there would be none on the Baseball America list. So they are not tied to anybody that would get like a big bonus. Generally, the guys on that list are getting a million or more or, you know, 800,000, something like that. So they're going to have a, their whole international bonus pool, which I think is going to be, what, 4.7 million, 5.2. I don't remember the exact um, dollar amounts. But that what that means is they'll probably sign like, <laughs> you know, a dozen guys to $300,000 contracts and a bunch of guys to 150000 and a good bunch of guys to 50000 basically what they've always done, which go for quantity over quality and hope you hit it on a couple guys. Sometimes you do, but they've, you know, they haven't brought up any stars. So who knows? My speculation, just for fun, was that Giannis Cespedes, his little brother, just kind of defected. Kind yeah. of defected. He just yeah, defected. In, the, in the, uh, Can-Am games, right? In the, or the Can-Am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so maybe... They'll take a run at him. I, I'm sure there are other teams who have their full bonus allotment too, and that might be more prefer, uh, preferable for him. But who knows? You know, Jonas did play for the Tigers for a little bit, and he's considered a pretty good prospect. I, I, I don't know. I don't think he's quite his brother, but I don't know. Just speculation. We'll see what happens. And then whenever somebody defects, it takes a long time for them to get cleared and even get posted or whatever. Not posted, but make it okay for them to to sign. So. I know, we'll see. Yeah, that happened to uh, Yulsar Garcia. That was a red article on Fangraphs. So I talked about, and I've, met, I've seen him in another article too mentioned before, 
where he he's there's some like they don't know how old he is or some little issues with that. Have you heard about this guy? No, I have not. Yeah, it's um W or Y H O S W A R. Um, told that there was a lot of people who told there was in Fangraphs that he was good because of uh, age identity issues, and he is now suspended. So, who's there? Who's there? I who's more? I who's? I have no idea how to even say that. I'm looking at it like I, I got nothing. Um, huh. but uh, either way, uh, yeah. And and, and for for Sepetis, I mean, it would be nice for the Tigers to to, to have a, a chance or opportunity to sign him, sure, but. I, I don't know, Chris. I mean, I'm lo- I've been trying to look for some sort of like intelligence on the international market. I know that we uh, there was a list that came out back in May, early May, and it had the Tigers linked to. I think remember we had we had the, the Sanchez's, yeah. yeah. We talked about that, yeah, that the random, but again, they don't show up on any of these other lists, so I don't know if they're they don't qualify for the lists, if they aren't very good. But yeah, it was the, the twin brothers, right? Or I don't know if they're twins, but yeah. Um, I don't know. Even the Tigers have been one of the more active teams in Australia, so it wouldn't shock me if we see another Australian kid get a deal. Who the hell knows? Maybe they're just pounding the pavement in Mexico, which is traditionally kind of under... I don't know. Some teams have, have gone to Mexico a lot, like the Cubs, but I don't know. We'll find out. J2 is, uh, what, four days away? Five days yeah. away? July, July 2nd. That's the random date that is picked when you can officially sign these guys, so... Yeah, and I mean, there it, it, you read that that uh, reading that article too, Chris, about July second. Yeah, it's I think it's giving some teams definitely a bigger advantage than others because I mean, there's there's a lot of teams out there who are getting aggressive to have this talent. I mean, the Yankees come to mind, the Red Sox, uh, but well, yeah, I mean, it's it's a tremendous competitive advantage if you. If you can do it, go down there and sign these guys. And the Yankees have cachet, and they were spending a lot of money down there, and they have ways to identify these guys. And they just year after year get a ton of high ceiling Latin kids, and you know most of them don't work out, don't even get it to like you know high A ball. But a lot of them do work out. The more you get, the more likely that's going to happen. And uh, I don't know, it's 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 another area where it's just annoying to see the Tigers seemingly left behind and or not even trying. But they have their methodology, and apparently they think it works. Yeah, and, and here's the thing too: they're talking about the youthmen. The article that had some story, it had a story in there about uh, how they're they're focusing on 21, 20, or 2021, 2022 kids who are young as twelve as thirteen, and the trainers are sorry, they're, they're 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 talking about that they have to start getting them at ten or eleven, and yep. in certain cases they have to carry them until they're sixteen years old. Like you just mentioned, to the age, you sign them in 2021, and then eventually some of these trainers don't get paid until then. So they sign a guy who's 10 or 11 years old, and I'm not even sure. Yeah. You know. That's a guessing game. The the Blue Scones or whatever, they're basically like, and I don't know, foster parents and coaches and all this stuff. And it's it's just a, a weird system. It's another... You know, there's the people who argue for the international draft because of this. I, I don't know if that would solve anything. I think there would always be issues. But, and and I, I don't want to come down too hard on the Tigers because we haven't seen what they've done. We have no idea what they're doing. Just it's annoying to not see them linked to any of the top names. But uh, who knows? Maybe they're going all in on the next class. I mean, you don't get to carry this money over. Maybe they'll trade 
their international bonus pool money. We've never seen them try anything like that, but uh, I don't know. I'll wait until it happens before I complain too much, but it's not looking good. Yeah, and and you know what's interesting too? What I liked about the article was they're talking about how it's it's common to see twelve year old facing a seventeen year old in those little in those situations. It's like a little leaguer, as they, they they said in the article, a little leaguer facing a high school varsity pitcher. And something that you consider is growth spurts. I mean, if you have a kid who's five ten at or five excuse me five seven at thirteen, he could be six four within a year or two. And then there's people, I guess, agents asking. When, like, how do they look at why is the body? And I think it's just, that's just a lot of pressure on a kid, too. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine, like, stopping school in fifth grade? And I'm like, well, I'm going to be a professional baseball player now, maybe. It's just, it's crazy to me. I'm trying to think there was an old prospect for the Dodgers who signed at, like, 6'1". And ended up being like six foot eight. He was a shortstop, and he just kept growing and growing. And they're like, "Oh my god, what, what are we doing with this guy?" His, I think his last name was Guzman, but yeah, it's going. We're going back to like two thousand three, two thousand four. Yes. But anyway, anyway, yeah. I mean, it's it's impossible. I mentioned the other day, you know, Kevin Maiton was considered like, oh, he's in the next Miguel Cabrera. He was, uh, I think, he was one of the main guys that caused. Atlanta, you know, John Coppolella to get banned from baseball for life there. Atlanta was breaking the rules and signing these guys when they're super young. And that's basically allowed now, but I guess they wanted to make a, a point about something. But my town was considered this, you know, the next great thing. And when he showed up to pro ball, he was much heavier and slower and didn't look nearly as good as people thought he did because he'd been like two years since people saw him. And now he's a non prospect with, for the angels. It's uh yeah, it's just a really hard thing to do. It's hard enough, like, I'm always amazed that scouts can see these 16-year-olds or 18-year-olds and project them to be good. And, uh, yeah, doing that at 14, 13, 12, and 11 just, just seems like an impossible task to me. Not to mention, too, if you think about it, if these kids are playing for four or five years, what, what makes you think at 18 years old they're not burned out from playing baseball because they've been playing with that kind of pressure? But I digress. Yeah, I mean, there's so, there's so many things that can go wrong. Yeah, and that's a lot of money to spend. So, before we get to Chris's forty tweet glory, uh, glory, uh, Latin word. Um, what I wanted to throw at Chris and it was going to throw out to our listeners out there. Right now, you the situation for the the Cardinals right now are trailing the Cubs by I think one and a half, two games right now in the Central. The Central is the Cubs not been able to run away. Well, Craig Kimball looked really good today. He was throwing ninety eight, ninety nine, no problem. Like he never sat half the season. So. But the Cardinals right now are in a situation where, offensively speaking, they've been anemic. They just got swept by the A's in a two-game set, and they, they just have not been able to score runs at will like the offense can. So Chris had in his tweet uh, tweed threat thread suggested Boyd to St. Louis for Dylan Carson and Urias Montego, Montanero, excuse me. And so I was looking at the Cardinals as a possibility for a Shane Green Landing or possibly Nick Castellanos. And the reason why I suggested one or either either Shane Green or Nick Castellanos for Nick Castellanos right now, you look at the situation with the with the outfield right now. Harrison uh, uh, Bader is struggling right now. Marco Azuna is doing a really good job out there. News, I think he almost got twenty home runs already too. And in right field, the current situation with for the Cardinals right now is they have they. It, 
Paul Paul Goldsmith usually in terms of ones rate or WRC plus is a little bit below his average right now. So he, he's been averaging in the one forties at one oh three right now. And right now you got Jose you got Jose Martinez who is serviceable, but I mean and, and then you got Dexter Follow out there as well, but is the right field situation I don't know if Martinez and, and Fowler can hold it down, but yeah, Bader's batting two oh nine right now and Osuno, yeah, he's the only one that's got some he's having a good breakout year in terms of uh power wise. But I proposed to Chris this idea and we talked about it a little earlier, so we had a little a little bit of a base to it. And so I mean in the last in, in the last five in in, the, in Wainwright and I give an example because Adam Wainwright just pitched for the Cardinals in his last fifteen in his fifteen games this season he has scored just twenty five runs for his offense or twenty five runs in his starts and in terms of where they're at in terms of in pitching wise well they're in the middle of the pack and the rotation is there it's really the rotation that it's kind of given some issues where the bullpen's been the strength so. Why trade for Shane Green? Well, better bullpen, what have you. So, anyways, well, and and their closer just blew his arm out. Yeah, I was gonna say them. Um, and oh god, I was John. Um, was the Cardinals uh, closer, John Blank. Why am I drawing a blank? Hicks. Uh, Jordan Hicks. 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 Jordan Hicks. Why don't I say John Hicks? I was thinking of the Tigers catcher. Uh, Jordan Hicks blew out his elbow, and even and another person too that was part of that bullpen it was supposed to be a big part of that bullpen. Brett Cecil, um, is still not gonna be back yet either, but. So this is why I gave the Chris in a roundabout way. Finally got to my explanation. Shane Green for Randy Odessara or Connor Kappel for and those are two outfielders with either Genesis Cabrera or Jake Wolford. So the reason why I thought about so here's a little bit about Randy Odessara. So Odessara is a outfielder who the who the Cardinals picked up. He was originally from Cuba. And it's been rounds around Triple A. It's got a good. He's got some a good above uh, speed. Defensively sound. He's an outfielder. He's an outfielder who could could play. I think it's in the corners. The same thing with Connor Capel, who they got from Cleveland in last year in the deal. And Capel's uh, more of a, a guy who is going to play kind of center, say play center field. But either way, two outfielders who are right in the middle of the prospect ranks for the Cardinals. And they have so much depth right now with Ozuna out there. You know, it makes Randy uh, expendable. And if they don't want to expend with him, Connor Capel. But Capel's got a pretty good future. He's a lefty bat with above average arm. And Cabrera right now is with the Cardinals, so that gives him a proven starter. Or they go with Jake Wolfer, who's doing really well in the minors right now. Yeah, I mean, we we talked to, you know, Rosarena is probably a, a fourth outfielder. Um, Tigers have a bunch of those, but he is—he's speedy and can hit, and he's got a little bit of power. He's not a complete dud with the bat. And uh, you know, you got to think—you're probably not going to get a ton for Shane Green, even though he's got another year of control. It'd be nice to get, like, similar to what the Tigers got for Justin Wilson and Alex Avila. You know, uh, Candelario, who was kind of a back-end top 100 guy, and Paredes, who was developed into a back back-end top 100 guy. Uh, and you might think Cabrera. Genesis Cabrera, I think, came over from Tampa. He throws really hard as a lefty, but I think he's already established as a major league player. I don't know if he's a prospect. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it seemed, it seemed a reasonable deal. I, I don't think Shane Green, despite Shane Green's, like, you know, super low ERA and, and outstanding save percentage, I don't think he's kind of viewed as a dominant lights-out 
reliever. Probably just another option. He, he could close, certainly. I think for a really good team, he'd probably be a setup man. But uh, the Cardinals could use him as a closer. And that would be nice for them. So, yeah, I mean, I think Cardinals were fit for, for him and Boyd. And you know, figuring out trades for them was fun. Yeah. And what was your favorite What was your favorite one? I mean, your personal favorite out of all of those. Oh, the ones that I came up with? Yeah. Uh, probably either... Either the Cardinals deal, because I really like Dylan Carlson. He's, he's one of the, the hottest prospects in baseball this year. Switch hitting, outfielder, corner outfielder. He's got power from both sides. He's shown patience. Uh, he's really young. He's always been young for his level. Um, and then the other one I liked, and, and Elu Harris Montero is a he – was, he had an outstanding year, a very rare year for a teenager in the Midwest League last year. He's struggling this year in, in – I don't know if he's in high A still or if he's in double A, but he's got the potential to be an everyday third baseman. And, you know, I would like that. He's got power. The other one I liked that I came up with was the Cubs for uh, Nico Horner, who was like kind of the breakout guy in the Arizona Fall League last year. People just fell in love with him. He had barely played after getting drafted by the Cubs. You know, the Cubs are really good at taking those college infielders. And they don't really need a ton of infielders, as usual. And he's a top 100 prospect, uh, maybe top 50. Some You'll hear people compare him to Ian Kinsler. He's kind of just like a grinder who does a little bit of everything pretty well. I don't know if he sticks at shortstop, but he could probably be an above average second baseman. And I think the Cubs might be willing to part with him just based on you know, where they are, how, what they want to do. And then the other guy I threw in that deal was Brennan Davis, who – is uh, he, he kind of came into pro ball with this reputation as being just a really toolsy guy who might not have a good feel for the game. I think his father is Reggie Theus, the basketball player. Um, oh, so the, he's the, an wow, the guy that used to play for the Sacramento Kings and Magic? Wow. I, I For some reason, I feel like he was on the Nuggets, too. Um, I don't remember. But maybe he was. I'm not sure. I, yeah. I don't know. Let's let's look up the Reggie Theus. Reggie uh, Theus. He was number I, 24 with the Magic. I remember that. He, he was part of the expansion yeah. Magic team. Let's see. He played with. Did you? Uh, fun fact about him too. He played with the Kings when the Kings used to have the name on the back of the jersey, but on the bottom, which is you know oh. was the, that weird look in the NBA they did in the eighties for a minute. No. Oh yeah. So you're right. Yep. The uh, the Kings, the Hawks, the Magic, the Nets. Nets. Okay. And the Bulls. The Bulls actually for early part of his career. But yeah. So his son. So you know, there's a, a bloodline. He's in South Bend. Yeah. Yeah, and, and he, uh, like I said, he came in as kind of like, hey, he's going to be raw, and he's come out in the Midwest League this year. And again, you're, it's the Midwest League, but he's, he's 6'4", 180 pounds, really athletic, and he's hitting really well. And it's not just like, you know, he's, he's walking a lot. He's not striking out much. He's hitting over 300. He's got a little bit of power and a little bit of speed. He hasn't played a ton of games, but it's uh, I really like the upside there. So I thought that one, and, and again, you know, who knows if the Cubs would give that up. But it seemed relatively fair to me. You've got a, a more advanced infielder in double A and a higher upside outfielder in low A. I thought maybe that would, uh, I don't know. It was a, the fact that I like it so much probably means that the Cubs wouldn't do it. I'll say that. <laughs> and not to mention, his walks actually, too, his walks smack in the strikeouts. He's got uh, 16 walks to 18 strikeouts. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. You know, this is a kid loaded with tools, and he's going out there and showing real baseball skills, which. To me, he says, like, all right, he might be a top 100 prospect by the end of this year. If you can get him now, that's fantastic. 
Uh, by the way, Montero what is in Double A, so you're you're right. Okay. Yeah. You and right. I think I think he's only twenty two, uh, twenty as well. So yes, that's correct. Yep, he's only twenty. He turns uh, twenty one in August. In August. So yeah, this is a twenty year old in Double A, which I think is you know basically the same age as uh, Isaac Peretti. I think he's twenty, right? Or is he, he's not nineteen anymore. So you're, you're talking. I mean, one of the biggest indicators for success in the major leagues is your age relative to your level, and. Uh, Part of that is because guys, you know, superstars just come quick. But uh, I don't know. I just uh, I like those two deals for their upside. The, the other ones, I I don't know. I could have done one for like twenty different teams, but it just seemed kind of the fake trades are fun, but they they aren't really useful at all. I was just trying to prepare people for the kind of return that I expect the Tigers to be able to get, which is some good players, but no super studs. Yeah, I mean, and right now with the Tigers, the way they're playing on the field right now, we have to kind of we got to squeeze out an hour somehow. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the baseball is it's no good. Um, yeah, the baseball's no good. The juice is the juice is the juice, juice is bad. <laughs> but no, anyway. <clears throat> yeah, those those. And, go, ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say, you know, along those lines, if if you want me to, I don't know if you have anything more that you want to hit it on, hit on, but oh, I was going to say, I got the, I got the. Um, so, by the way, I don't know if you've uh, noticed. I think you have. Um, we're using Mo's Deaf Mathematics for Inside of Numbers now as our official music for it. Oh, all right. So it's the instrumental. So so every time uh, we kick on the Inside of Numbers, you'll be hearing some. Uh, everybody wants to know it's Mo's Deaf Mathematics. Go ahead, Chris. Oh yeah, I, I remembered. Uh, I found that the kid, the prospect I was talking about, who grew up to be like six foot eight, his name was Joel Guzman. Guzman. Um, uh, he's listed at six six two fifty, but I believe he signed at like six six foot one hundred eighty pounds. Anyway, yeah, my inside the numbers. I think I foreshadowed a little bit. It's about how bad the Tigers' defense or offense is. It is negative one point two, uh, which that is the Tigers' team collective WAR this year on offense. So. Right now, as an offense, the Tigers are performing worse than a group of absolute replacement players would. Um, wow. And, yeah, that, that ranks 30th out of them, all the teams in the majors right now, and that's surprisingly. The Orioles are 29th at .02, or 0.2, so about a win and a half better than the Tigers. And the Marlins are 28th at one win. So the Tigers are, are that much worse than two really bad teams. And like I said, it's similar to what I talked about last week. I talked about their team weighted runs created plus. But I think it bears repeating. This is one of the worst collections of position players baseball has seen in the last 50 years. It is they rank ninth, I think. That negative 1.2 war right now is ninth worst ever. Um, they don't hit. They don't walk. They don't hit for power. And they play bad defense. I think they're 26th in defense. Uh, and there's a chance it gets worse. You, you can always say, like, oh, well, things will turn around. Not necessarily. They've got two players with a, a way to runs created plus over 100 right now. And it's Nick Castellanos and Jacoby Jones. Nick Castellanos is, is probably going to be gone in a month if they can find somebody to take him. Mm-hmm. And and Jacoby Jones is Jacoby Jones. <laughs> Up until two months ago, he had like a career 70 weighted runs created plus. Uh, you know, maybe Cabrera, he's, he's at like 98. And Candelario, maybe he figures something out. But maybe Cabrera gets hurt again and Candelario just is what he is. And, and I don't know, maybe Kristen Stewart gets hot. But basically, like I said, they're already the ninth worst offense by F4 since 1969. And they're not, I think, the, like, bottom five, you only have to be negative 2.4 or something like that. So they're halfway there. And I don't see why it's going to get better. So, like, my point last week was, like, hey, 
you know, great job bottoming out because even the worst teams that we've seen didn't do this. This right now they're worse than the 2003 Tigers. The 2003 Tigers were 1.1 negative 1.1 WAR, I believe. So this is ugly. Oh yeah, that's that's my number. And by the way, speaking, of, you know what? For the first time, because by the way, just uh, behind the curtain, Chris and I don't give each other our good, bad, and ugly inside numbers. It's totally it's a surprise, so that way we can it just it adds it up a little bit. And probably for the first time in a long time, our inside numbers is very similar, actually. Mm-hmm. So my inside number, and it, by the way, um, I tweeted this out earlier. Uh, you saw this earlier with, with how the Tigers are doing batting-wise. This is not my inside number, but uh, mm-hmm. they are, in terms of how they're projecting right now in terms of numbers, the 2003 Tigers at the, at the All-Star break, 228, 290, 353, and a six, uh, 6.43 OPS. So, and they had 75 home runs. Currently, right now, and that doesn't include today's game, 229, 290, 377, OPS of 6.77, and 66 home runs. So, they got nine games left before the All-Star game. They got the Nationals, White Sox, and I think the Red Sox after that. So, it's not looking pretty in terms of power numbers that are coming up. So, but... This corresponds to what the reason why my inside number corresponds to what you're referring to is is the number the, the number is 185 185 or 0.185. So that is the winning percentage of the 2003 Tigers for the month of June where they were 5 and 22. Oof. And so but the current but you already t- mentioned yeah they what are they 4 and 17 is that Yeah, they're 4 and 17 right now. Or after today, I'm sorry, four and eighteen after today. So they are creeping towards that 2003 team. And what's interesting about the and I drew parallels to a couple teams. And and by the way, thanks to Adam on Twitter, a friend of the show, Adam from Bless You Boys, and it kind of inspired me because he posted today the, the the worst of those those teams, the 2003 Tigers, the 1986 Tigers, uh, and 1989 Tigers. He mentioned the 2002 Tigers, but for shits and giggles and. For time references, I just wanted to have these points of references because the 89 team was the first Tiger team I remember watching being horrendous. So get this, though, Chris. So the 2003 Tigers for the month, the ERA was, as a team, 540. The current Tigers right now, ERA is 557 for the month of June. So after, and if, if, put it to you this way, Chris, if they didn't have April and March in there because the team ERA was 398 after that month, the Tigers would be even worse shape than the 2003 Tigers. So they've given up in terms of just as a staff of just um, they, in last month, they gave up 53 home runs this month. It's 33. So they've come back down the earth, I, I guess a little bit, but so comparatively speaking to the 2000, uh, the 1996 Tigers, by the way, for the month of June were seven, 10 and 17. So the ERA though, the worst month in one of the worst months in Tiger baseball history, seven seven year array, Chris. Their March start when they finished nine when they started off nine eighteen in nineteen ninety six, Chris seven point three one, and they gave up. They had they gave up fifty home runs that season. There were fifty home runs in the month of May, forty one forty three. So they were the, the pitching staff that ninety six staff was horrendous. Omar Alvarez, uh, that Lira. was yeah, Philip Lira. Um, and Brian Moeller, Jose Lima out of the bull, a young Jose Lima out of the bullpen. 
1989 team, which which would lose 100 games, they were 8 and 18, but their ERA for the month was only 4.47. So that staff, as much as and that was a, a staff that was in the transition period. I think that was one of I think that was Jack Morris's last year as a Tiger too, as well. So yeah, the right now the Tigers are dangerously close in terms of winning percentage. You got the Nationals who are in playoff contention coming into town this weekend. The honor of the 84 Tigers. So you hope the 84 Tigers, the spirit of that, which we'll, we have a question about that later. We have a couple questions to get to. <laughs> yeah. um, we'll get to that a little later. So, yeah, that's my uh, inside of number. Yeah, that's that also puts it in perspective. I mean, I, I don't think the Tigers – I think the Tigers are managed to win 18 more games along the way. But there's – I mean, this is pretty much as bad as 2003. Uh, right now it is. I, I mean, I feel like there's more talent here. Uh, at least a little bit more talent, but who knows? Maybe we'll look back and go, whew, the 2019 team. <laughs> what a stinker. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, hell, remember Dawel Lugo? <laughs> remember Harold uh, Castro? Remember yep. Austin Adams? Remember <laughs> Zach Reininger? Remember Gregory Soto? Remember Josh Harrison? Remember Jordy Mercer? Remember John Hicks? All these guys. Garbage. <laughs> not garbage. That's mean. No, yeah. And, you know, they're not. They're not the talent that they should be yet. So they, they are, you know, they're just they're they're not championship caliber baseball players. I will say that. There we go. At least not major league baseball championship, triple A championship. Sure. Four A players. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, we don't dog the the person the, the players. It's just we can admit the management. Perhaps. Yeah. That's, yeah. It, that's there. Are, I don't know. It's, it's C. Trent Rosencrantz gets really bummed out when he's a, he's the beat writer for the Reds. He gets bummed out when people call players garbage and. I think he's right about that. That's not a nice thing to say. Yeah, exactly. These guys are out there trying. It's just they're not very good. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and yeah, there's no reason to go into names or any of that stuff. But uh, yeah. So, anyways, time for the good, bad, and ugly this week. And, and my good will be kind of charged based off a name you said earlier. So, um, it's got a little bit of a rant with it, too. But, uh, Chris, let's you have your good and bad and ugly first. Oh, all right. Well, so, uh, my good is BaseballTradeValues.com. Uh, <laughs> so, so Michael Meyer uh, sent me a link to that a couple days ago, and I took a look at it, but I just kind of, you know, I was busy. There was a lot of other things going on. Um, I didn't really do much, and then Eddie Bajak uh, pointed me to the Effectively Wild podcast, which today's, which I, I didn't actually listen to yet, but they talked to the guys who created that site. And so I was taking a little look, a better look at it, and yes, it is absolutely right up my alley. It's basically... They, they do what I tried to do in that tweet barrage where you basically, you know, apply values to players uh, based on a number of criteria. For me, it was like, hey, you know, how many years of control left, what his projected war is. And then you try to come up with value and, and see how much surplus value they have and see how much you could get for them in return uh, in a trade. Now, these guys have done it much, much better than I did, more comprehensively, many more factors. And then they put it into a nice, fun graphic user interface. So you can go out there and you can create your own trades and see if they're realistic. And then you can submit them. And if you have an account, other people can judge the trades for you. And it's just fantastic. Like, I don't know if anybody's ever played around with, like, the old NBA trade machine. Oh, that thing was awesome. Yeah, and it's st- that's still around. You can, yeah. you can be like, hey, can the, tr- can the Pistons trade Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin for Steph Curry and Kevin Durant? Like, you could, you could just fool around and see how the trades are and this is basically like that but it's for baseball and it has prospects involved and it's right up my alley and uh yeah so people should check that out baseballtradevalues.com 
Created a trade uh, proposal. Yeah, it's it. very the interface. The interface is really like somebody just made a recent trade. Astros get Justin Schmack, Marcus Stroman. The Jays get JB Brokakis, Ronnie Dawson, Garrett Stubbs, and Cash. Yeah, you could throw Cash in there if you yeah, need to. I like that. That's, um, yeah, I mean, I so I I looked at some of the trades that I came up with earlier, and they actually their, their value for Boyd is a little bit less than what I had. But and they, they they split it into three, so there's a low value, medium value, and, and high value, which is is kind of nice. But they were still like the trade that we mentioned earlier, the one for the Cardinals. That that according to this site is doable. It's uh, in fact the Tigers could probably get another prospect. Um, I did check the Cubs one. I would like to let me check the Cubs one. Yeah, but, I'm uh, actually creating an account as we speak. Yeah, I mean it's it's you got to be a special kind of nerd. And I think anybody listening to this is on the fringe of that special kind of nerd, and they know that I am that special kind of nerd. So that's why it's good to me. Um, so, yeah. And then I, I can move on. I don't want to geek out about it too much. The bad, uh, and, and this is not bad because of the articles, but uh, The Athletic has a couple articles about the makeup of the current MLB baseball. Um and they're both very good articles, but the results are kind of bad. Uh, Jason Stark, he had a good one about the ball that explained uh, it's, it's impossible to make it with a machine because it's hand-sewn. I didn't realize that. I know it either. Um, and it's extremely hard to alter the drag coefficient. That's basically what MLB you know, commissioned a study to see, hey, what's wrong with the ball? And they said, yeah, the drag coefficient, basically the wind resistant, resist, uh, resistance has gone down. So there's not as much friction or whatever to slow the balls down. And pitchers will report that, yeah, it feels smoother and slicker and the laces or, you know, the seams feel lower. Um, but they, you know, they ch- uh, tested everything and the ball isn't bigger. It's not heavier. It's not lighter. It's not bouncier. It's not made of any different materials. But the athletic also has a an astrophysicist who writes for them, Dr. Meredith Wills. She's an astrophysicist and a huge baseball fan. And she studied it last year and she wrote an article about how the seams were... were uh, the, the laces caused a rounder ball, and she also linked that to you know the heightened blisters. It seemed like pitchers were kept coming getting good blisters. Um, and she studied this year's ball, and this year's ball is different again. It's, it's different than the ball was last year. Uh, and her study found that the ball isn't smaller, but the seam height—that is basically the, the height from the bottom of the outside leather to the top of the seams—is measurably lower. Like. It's much lower. It doesn't sound like much. It's like two tenths of a millimeter, or uh, however, you know, the I, proper yeah. way to say that. Yeah, say that is in the metric system, but it's a drastic difference from the past. Like it, it's it's like fifty percent lower. I think she found, and the seams are basically half as high as last year. So, and the leather is demonstrably smoother. It's it has twenty seven percent less friction. So you've got a smoother ball with lower seams. And it's a very good article, and in the baseball basically is very bad for baseball right now. I, I mean, I enjoy lots of home runs; it's fun, but it it just doesn't feel quite right if it's because the ball is different than it used to be, you know? Yeah. So I I consider that to be kind of bad, but maybe it's good that they found this out and they can fix it if if they agree with her study. So, and then the ugly is the Mets. It had oh, to be boy. the Mets. <laughs> it's always the Mets. So, so what I don't know, like a week and a half ago, they fired their pitching coach, uh, Dave Island, and uh, old friend Bob or, or Chuck Hernandez, not Bob Cluck. Uh, he was a pitching coach for the Tigers for a while. He was a bullpen coach. 
Uh, and then they hired, you know, in the interim, they hired their 82-year-old pitching coach, although he seems like kind of a righteous dude. But then there was that ridiculous blow-up the other day uh, in the locker room where a reporter, was it Tim Healy, I think his name is? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, he said uh, see you tomorrow to manager Mickey Calloway, and Calloway just went nuts on him. It was a smart-ass, a simple thing, too. Yeah, I thought that maybe he was suggesting, like, he's going to get fired, or, or something like that. I don't know. Um, and then, so, Callaway starts yelling at him, and then Jason Vargas threatens to knock the guy out. <laughs> so, it's just, it's this debacle. And the other reporter said, like, he didn't do anything. This is weird. And so, then the next day, Callaway gives a non-apology apology. Yeah. Like, before batting practice, where he says, essentially, <laughs> he brought up, like, hey, you know, Billy Martin punched a guy once, punched a reporter once, so I'm not that bad. It, it was... it. It reminded me of uh, Brad Osmus's, like, you know, I go home and beat my wife comment. Like, it just was not the right thing to say at all. And uh, and then Vargas gave it a, a non-apology apology, which basically said, hey, people don't know everything that happened. And then two hours later, Callaway had to give another apology based apparently, like, the front office called down and was like, no, <laughs> give a real apology. And then I think later that night, the story came out. And it's been corroborated by multiple sources that the Mets GM, Brody Van Wagenen, has been calling down to the bullpen or the, the dugout to make pitching changes. Like, he, he requested that Jacob deGrom come out of the start. And deGrom, of course, was his former client. And it's just, oh, it's so, like, weird and tangled and sorted. And Van Wagenen denies this. Uh, but whatever. And then then today, they go out. They're down one nothing, heading into the ninth against the Phillies. And they have this... Miraculous comeback. They go up 3-1. It looks good. And then Edwin Diaz, the closer who they traded away last year's first-round pick, Jared Kalanick, who's playing really well in the minors. They, they traded for Edwin Diaz, and he had one of the best uh, relief years we've ever seen. He goes out, and he gives up three hits, two walks, two homers, and five runs, and they lose 6-3. to three. And his ERA is now close to five. And Syndergaard has struggled. Wheeler has struggled. DeGrom is not nearly as good as he was last year. And Callaway is toast, and the Mets are a debacle. And that's the ugly. And the Mets, by the way, lead the lead all baseball and blow saves. There you go. So, yeah. So there, yeah. Um, but I'm sorry, I, I changed up the um, changed up music to the Benny Hill theme because we it was, it was just <laughs> getting it was like one clown show thing after another. So, yeah, it's just uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where like we complain about the Tigers, but at least we're not the Mets. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There's that. I'd rather be, you know what, I'm sorry to our friend of the show, Abe in Southfield, who listens. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'd rather be the Tigers than the Mets any day of the week. Good Lord. Wow. Yeah, I, mean, I like. I think I like the Mets Major League roster significantly more, but. Whew. Yeah. And Mickey, anyway. and Mickey and by the way, and Mickey Callahan is not doing himself any favor by getting a position job after this. I mean, although I think a team would. A team would still make him a pitching coach down the line. Well, yeah, I mean, he was a very successful pitching coach for the Indians, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, somebody will hire him, but yeah, manager maybe not again. Yeah, but uh, so my good and bad ugly this week starts off with well, ladies and gentlemen, the good, and this involves Tigers. So you already asked yourself, okay, wow, how what, Roger? How is this possible? Again, and for the for the record, folks, we're not. We're just gonna keep it up. We're keep, we're keeping it real. We're not gonna bash everything the Tigers are doing right now because the one thing I do want to know though is why Anthony Castro is not with the Tigers right now, ladies and gentlemen. 
I present my case of Anthony Castro as a a guy that could just see what they have right now. And looking at his numbers, when they put him out of the bullpen, Chris, he has a, he has an ERA of seven point nine eight, and he has fourteen innings pitched, thirteen strikeouts. His numbers are not doesn't look good. However, as a starter, though, Chris, ERA at two point five four, thirty nine strikeouts, thirty eight innings, forty eight strikeouts, and he has sli- his slider change up thing he had going the other day. Had, his last couple starts, he's been outstanding. And here's the thing. Nothing against Steven Adams. Nothing against any of the, the guys on that roster currently right now. Give Anthony Castro the damn ball. If you're not going to call up Matt Manning, who did struggle the last couple starts, he struggled tonight, as uh, Chris and I talked about beforehand. If you're not bringing up Casey Mize, obviously because of injuries, give Castro the ball. I don't think that's too hard. I think that and you know, we talked to James Shipman beforehand. His stuff is filthy. It's getting better. We saw him in West Michigan. We follow him along. Castro needs to come up. Just give him a shot. They're going to, I mean, Funkhauser had, had a really good start yesterday. He bounced back. He's bounced back nicely and probably more likely will be a candidate if Drew Verhagen doesn't, or for some strange reason, <laughs> Verhagen gets yet another chance. I don't understand the logic of not seeing what Castro can provide for you. Or even for that matter, I mean, as much as we joked about Tyler Alexander, what what is there? <coughs> excuse me. What is there? What is there hesitation, Chris? I, I don't understand this. If you're going to throw, if you're going to keep signing all these German pitchers, you had Tim Allen go for the Sea Wolves the other night. Why the fuck did you do this? Seriously, why is Castro there then? Is it just <laughs> roster fodder? I mean, ladies, the guy's been in the system. Since 2012, he's been there as a kid. Give the kid a fucking shot, okay? That honestly, like, I interviewed him. So you know what? Taking the emotional, uh, not emotional attachment, but personal attachment aside, the kid deserves a. The kid's getting better, Chris. You see it firsthand. His velocity is there. He's 94, 95 with movement. His fastball was looking good. All his secondary pitches are looking good. Give him a chance. Stop putting Soto out there. Poor, you know, or try these bullpen starts, man. Get creative. Shake things up. And I get there's a process to everything. You have to make some 40-man moves to make this roster. I, I understand. But who would you rather have? It's not hard. Who would you rather have in the day? Anthony Castro or Steven Adams? No offense to any Steven Adams fans out there. Probably a great guy. Probably a guy who enjoys a good beer. Congratulations. That's cool. Nothing against him. But if you have these guys in the system, use them. It's not hard. It's not complicated. I'm just a guy doing a podcast in my office, in my house. So do I make myself an expert? No. Do I claim to be an expert? No. But the facts are there. Chris Brown, you know, he's a level 21 expert. Jibbin, 21 level expert. I'm like maybe a level 10, level 15. I know my shit. I'm not stupid. (coughs) I'm not a box score guy. I'm becoming beyond the box score. I get these things. I'm trying to get better and understand the little fine details of just being a guy who, I don't know, knows that Felipe Lira rocked a 70-year array for half of 1996. I'm going above that, folks. This is common sense. Start Anthony Castro and or give him a shot and see what he has. End of fucking story. All right. Yeah, well, no, I, I mean, so you mentioned Soto, and I, we talked about this before the show. It. it 
Soto was considered one of the Tigers' top 30 prospects, too, and they brought him up because, you know, he's not one of their premium top prospects that they're worried about starting the service clock on, like Manning and Mize. Uh, and, you know, all these guys need more work, but they Soto needs more work. He, he was in A-ball last year. Uh, and, and I don't see why they would view Castro as any different than Soto as a, as a kid who he's not one of their top prospects, at least according to them. They didn't throw him on the 40-man last year, even though they could have. They signed, re-signed him to a minor league deal. And, uh, yeah, I don't see what the, the harm is in, in just attempting to bring him up and see what you have. Because, you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. It's not working out with any of these other guys either. You're not... <laughs> You're not going to get anything out of Austin Adams that, yeah. uh, you know, you're going to flip them and, and turn them into some sort of prospect. It, it's it's just kind of silly. And they're, I don't think, based on the way they've been handling Castro, I don't think they view him as like a big piece of the future. So there is, really is no reason to, to not bring him up. Although, you know, you, you mentioned his ERA numbers out of the bullpen, and he has kind of had a history of, when he first came up to double-A last year, he had two, you know, really horrific starts. And so I wonder if he just, uh, he's not, doesn't do well when he gets, like, super amped up, which would happen out of the bullpen, theoretically. You know, right. he's just trying really hard or, you know, when he comes to a new level. So maybe there's some, you know, just, just excitability stuff there. But, you know, who cares? That Like you said, the stuff is crazy. It, it gets, it's mid-90s, gets up higher. Breaking ball was just absolutely filthy the other day. He's got like a split change. Just, you know, give him a chance. So that that works for me. Continue. All right. And so my bad this week is, and it's kind of a different take on what's going on with baseball. And that's the the whole making it, making uh, Fangraphs did a really good job of, they did an article on social media and what the, in terms of, we've talked about this before, what MLB was doing with uh, Pitching Ninja and trying to, make it you know less less him known and then recently right now with all the taking away all the video element which was so fucking dumb to me and it continues where there's such a great area right now where now they're just taking down anybody and you're talking about the in terms of the the baseballs doesn't appeal to young people my son doesn't watch baseball the, the doesn't your other your older son doesn't watch baseball right chris no, he, he played when he was younger and liked it a little bit, wrote Justin Verlander a letter. But, uh, yeah, no, he doesn't care. He he, uh, he would more soon watch eSports, I think. Yeah, and and something, and this is something, too, and this pertains to my day job, too, something I had a, a conversation with my boss about. Um, people will wait through hours of low-action content for something, and it doesn't have to be this polished thing. And I think... Like in terms of, and, and some and they mentioned Gary uh, Gary V who is this he's a social media marketing guy and it's really what he said and it's true it is that sports unwillingness to use media tools that other sports have used instead going they're going for the short term financial thing and it's true and baseball continues to make they're making money left and right with um that was that company that um. It will be advanced media. Yeah, the advanced media thing, or the, yeah, the the, the company, yeah, the um, two hundred six hundred twenty million dollars a year in revenue. Six hundred. Let me put that to you again. Six hundred twenty million dollars revenue. They sold majority stake to Disney for one point five 
$1.8 billion. Um, and it's just, in terms of just, you, you can't, I mean, look at where basketball, soccer, and even like, for how many jackasses out there who stream video games who are not that good? They're still, I mean, they're, they're, video games are more popular now than baseball is, esports. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, that's what, you know, MLBAM uh, or BAM or whatever, uh, they make RBI Baseball, the video game every year. It's one of the only yeah. big baseball games that comes out on platforms aside from the show. Uh, and it's not good. I mean, I understand, you know, people love the nostalgia of RBI Baseball, but they're missing an opportunity for making a game. Make a game that's fun, that's quick, that, you know, contains some aspects of baseball, but make it so it becomes an eSport that the people actually compete in, you know, like they do with Madden or God, you know, you see racing games that they go all in on esports, And I just, I don't, I don't think there's anybody out there playing RBI baseball competitively. There might be people doing the show, but it's just like, I don't know. That's, you'll get kids to watch that way. Probably. They, uh, but I don't know. What do I know? I'm not a marketing specialist. No, I mean, and, and for, for me as it's part of my it's my day job. I think the one thing that really pisses me off about baseball is there's no type of like you know on the NBA right now. Look what what's going on in the NBA, the whole free agency yep. and the whole. And there's like a, it's like a WWE play play out. As much as I hate to compare it to wrestling, it is. There's a kind of a this element of like they're they're controlling. There's more stuff about the Lakers today. They're just going on what's going on with uh, Mike Trout. Yeah, and it's the, drama. Yeah, and the, and the big story of Mike Trout is oh he's rejecting a home run contest. Like that's not news. Don't get no one gives a no one gives a shit. Sorry, no. So, yeah. but yeah, in terms of even like Instagram, too, baseball does a horrible job on Instagram. It is terrible. And so anybody out there who's listening, who's past the age of thirty, and doesn't on Instagram, it is what it is. I mean, if you don't like Instagram, that's fine. I mean, I know you're not on Instagram, but that doesn't doesn't mean anything. I, I have an Instagram. I am just old and don't know how to use it, and I would, like, know where to begin. Like, who do I follow? Is it creepy if I follow somebody? I, I don't know how it works. No, there's some cool, and, there's some cool base. And, ba- one, there is and some I don't cool have cause. pictures. Like, what am I going to take pictures of? Like, here's the pool. Nobody cares. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, like, I – and here's the thing. The funny part is for how much I work in, in social media, I'm very – Outside of Twitter, I don't participate in it very much. I mean, I might I have an Instagram that I keep up for just for pictures and stuff. I try stuff out all the time. But if you want to follow me on Instagram, which is at Rajcast eighty one, you're, you're going to find pictures of my dog, me reading, and that's barely it. I mean, work on where I go to work trips and I and show off my food. And that's it. I don't barely even do that. But anyways, yeah. I mean, I, I'm told there's something called Instagram stories. <coughs> um, I, yeah, correct. Yeah, I, just, I, I feel super old, but also it's it's like one of these things where I just don't care, which I think is one of those uh, that is maybe the true sign of getting old. Like I just don't care to be part of that. Like, yeah, I, I felt the same way about Snapchat and TikTok and TikTok. all these other things. <laughs> TikTok. I didn't. But I don't you know, know. I, I probably would have felt the same. I, I think I felt the same way about Twitter when I first heard about. it. I'm like, what? It's basically just your status updates on Facebook. Who cares? And then now I'm on Twitter, like. Every minute of every day, <laughs> and I tried to quit it and I couldn't. And yeah, well, you know what? So. And let's 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 be fair, Chris. Twitter was like, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna address this too much. But for when the the, the couple weeks you were gone, ever mm-hmm. I, I got a couple of people going, "Where's Chris Brown?" It was like it was like the you know it was like where it was like a, like the hushed. It was the first time in my life where I was like, "Wow!" Uh, something on social media where people were asking where somebody is that I know, 
like you were like some sort of yeah. ghost. It was it was kind of cool. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it was it was cool, but it was also like, well, you know. yeah. I mean, uh, not to not to make uh, light of a serious issue, but it, it, in, in certain ways, it's a little bit like digital suicide, where you just disappear. Um, and it's it's I don't know. It was it was kind of refreshing to not be looking at my phone all the time and, and not caring about baseball. And but you know, it's just I think so much a part of my life now as an adult that I eventually had to get back to doing it and. You know, what, who would I be if I'm not writing 40 tweet threads yeah. that nobody cares about? Well, don't be nothing. Well, clearly people care. I mean, Dan and Dan Hasty, there's a lot of you got a good response from him. And, and here's the thing. It's all about moderation. Like I stop, I, I, I quit my old Facebook and I only have it now for work and all my stuff for work for social media is for work. And, and if I'm not involved in my own, it's made my, me actually better at my other, at my job. Like I'm actually better at lowering mm-hmm. social media trends, everything like that. And, our Twitter accounts are very different as much as, uh, but I like that. Like, I like the aspect of it. But anyways, mm-hmm. I digress. We'll get back to that. And the worst is the netting, folks. I, I, I don't understand what Rob Manf- Manfred is thinking right now. There was another incident, another incident, poor girl, on Sunday during the Dodgers game. Um, a, a fan got hit in the head. There's a possible, and then during the Astros game, a girl potentially had a skull fracture. Um, the White Sox and Nationals have already done things to to have the Nets extended. <coughs> Excuse me. The Rangers are in the works for that too, as well. And baseball, and, and you saw what happened that poor um, when or Al, uh, Alberto, or excuse me, Albert Amar Jr. I mean, he he as soon as he hit it, he knew. Mm. And a woman died last year in, in, in Dodger Stadium from a brain hemorrhage. And I don't, and you know, Chris, I, I just don't understand what the what the fuck Manfield's thinking. Like, what what is it cost? I mean, you guys are making enough money hands over fist, and um, these Illinois Senators, uh, Dick Durbin and Tammy Duckworth, are calling for baseball to do this. Uh, they announced that today, and I'm not sure what Manfield's doing, whether he's hiding on a rock or whatever he's doing. But get it done already, guys. Come on. Yeah, it's you shouldn't. Uh... I mean, people like to, like, oh, you know, they say, watch for flying balls. It's like, you know what, okay. But there's no nothing you could do about a 110-mile-an-hour ball coming at you. I don't care if you're, you know, the Flash. <laughs> it's it's you're, you're, These aren't pro athletes in the stands. They're like 80-year-olds and 5-year-olds and me eating nachos and checking Twitter. And I'm not changing. So put <laughs> up the nets. Yeah. I mean, and what I like about Comerica Park, if I sit in the upper stands, I'm I'm fine. I mean, where I'm sitting, I get Comerica's got great views anywhere you go. So, but uh, that is my good and bad ugly this week, as uh, baseball continues to just drop the ball a little bit. So the bad and ugly reflected that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's a simple solution, and hopefully the Tigers get on board with that too as well. Uh, before the podcast, I do want to talk a little bit about the international signings in terms of uh, the top 30 international prospects eligible to sign next week. And did I give you that? Did I send you the list, Chris, or no? Uh, uh, you sent me a, a Baseball America thing, I oh, think. Yeah. Let, me send you the, yeah. let me send you the other one. Well, do you I've, have it? I've or? gone over the list okay. um, at, like, MLB. Uh, the, uh, the pipeline, pipeline and, and, okay. and fan graphs, yeah. All right, cool. All right, so... The so the top thirty prospects that the international market starts so July second the, the Tigers have what would you say Chris in the last five years in terms of 
they fared poorly, badly, or, or okay, or where, where would you put the Tigers at right now? Oh, last five years, mm-hmm. uh, probably poorly. I'm trying to think who among that, like from five years ago, so we're talking 2014, I'm trying to think who would have come up in that point. I don't, I mean, you know, Winslow Perez, he's having a rough year, but he's still, you know, one of the Tigers' top 10, 15 prospects. And he came from a couple of years ago, and people seem to like Indenza Reyes and, and Jose De La Cruz, so those are okay. I'm trying to remember who else. I mean, Ulrich Boyarski, he's a product of that. Um, I, I, they've probably done okay. They're certainly not as good as a lot of the big teams. Like, what was I, what was the 20, was it 2015 class that had Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Fernando Tatis and Acuna and Juan Soto, I think, all those dudes? Maybe I'm mistaken, but no, no, uh, no. That's it. That is it. And Wander, Wander Franco was that was that 2016 or 2017 or was that last year? Like, yeah, I mean, he's only, he's only 18, so I would say 2017. Yeah, that's yeah, that's ridiculous. That's just insane. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's been some generational talent coming out of there, and the Tigers haven't got any of guys like that. So in that regard, it's definitely a bummer. Um, and they had, the Tigers have uh, 5.3 million to spend. 5.3. Okay. Um, yeah, and. We mentioned earlier, not tied to any of the big names, which sucks because, I mean, some of those guys got smaller bonuses. I think Acuna only got 100000 and Soto got maybe two and point five, but or 250000 But then guys like Eloy Jimenez and Glaber Torres and Vlad Jr., they all got big deals. Um, so you can get lucky in small deals. The Tigers just haven't. So and I don't know. There's a ton of shortstops on this list, too. Well, they're always shortstops. Yeah. They're always shortstops and catchers and outfielders, and then they move everywhere else. But, uh, you know, I mean, Miguel Cabrera was a shortstop. Victor Martinez was a shortstop. And, uh, yeah, it, getting back to that guy's body's changing. That's just uh, the way it goes. But Yeah, and the Jays, I mean, the Jays also, the Blue Jays get a lot of credit for being down there, too. They've been down there for a long time, uh, mining guys, and one one of the guys that, out of the Dominican Republic that I was watching a little bit earlier is Relevigan de Castro, who's ranked 27th. He's out of the Dominican Republic, and that guy looks like a beast. Alexander Ramirez is an outfielder who's already 6'3", and he's only 16, Chris. So this is, guy's 16, he's already 6'3", and he is favored by the Mets. Everybody, but yeah, the Tigers are not involved in anybody that I've seen on here. And then in terms of pitching, this is, is this just me, Chris, or just lighter that prospect pitching wise that it has been in a while on this on these lists. I think it it is a little bit lighter, but there are, uh, the pitching teams don't tend to spend money on the pitchers on the international market, big pitching deals because it's just. Uh, I, mean, I think that the biggest international deal ever, or at least for a while, was uh, the A's. I forgot the kid's name now, but uh, he actually did make it to the majors. I think with the White Sox, but. They spent a ton of money on him, and he didn't pan out at all, really. I mean, I guess making it to the majors is good. But, yeah, it's just, it's so volatile with 16-year-old pitchers, even more so than uh, position players, that a lot of times pitchers will get smaller, like 50000 I think with the Sixto Sanchez, got like $50,000 deals. It's just you're going out there, you're basing it on their arm speed and, and stuff like that. And I know, so many of them wash out that you just don't see tons of money spent on the, on the pitchers. So... I don't know. And sometimes uh, the position players get converted to pitchers, like Franklin Perez. He was a third baseman shortstop, I believe, and then moved to pitching. So, 
Yeah, and uh, Perez right now is out at the moment. Um, yep, shoulder fatigue. Yeah. So was it? it was, you're not thinking of um, the A's still have? Do they still have? Um, yeah, the A's. The, the A's. The name that I remember the A's recently signing was uh, Luis uh, Carrasco, which is Carlos Carrasco's brother. Oh, no! This was uh, I want to say this was like twelve years ago. Oh no, no! I was just thinking about like who they signed oh. recently. That like the, uh, we was looking at the A's. And I was trying to remember. I remember they signed somebody that I was familiar with, and then I remember it was the it was Carlos Carrasco's brother. I'm, yeah, that, that was oh, yeah, yeah, my bad. Um, but, uh, no, I don't, yeah, I, I don't recall the guy that you're referring to, but, uh, no, I, I, I mean, and with the Tigers, I mean, there, there's a guy in that, in that class right now, uh, Brian, uh, Molina or Brian Molina, who's 16, 6 2 and already throwing like 93, 97 range. But for the Tigers, that's a guy I'd like to target if that was possible. And then, yeah, but again, that's one of those things like we talked before about high schoolers, you know. U.S. high schoolers who throw really hard at that age almost always blow out and don't turn out. So it's part of it is, is getting guys who throw hard at a young age. Part of it is is judging by the the, the arm speed or the you know shoulders or whatever. And, and teams use they probably have much more advanced stuff now. You know, the, right. You know, using fitting them with vests and checking out their weight transfer and stuff like that. But um, so it's projecting a lot of projecting. But yeah, some of these kids are already five ballers. The last couple of years, the Tigers seem to have targeted more like 18 19 year olds guys who maybe like slip through the cracks and then get more velocity which is not a terrible idea i think a lot of the relievers they have down in, in west michigan and maybe in lakeland fall into that category where they're almost they're like 21 already but uh yeah none of them are really like popping up as, as huge prospects so i don't know yeah i mean and the royals by the way are, are signed like they they compared one kid down there eric pena who is tied with the Royals, which is, I mean, the Royals are even getting tied to some stuff, and the Tigers, it's like, I don't know, it's kind of frustrating. Yeah, it's, it seems like everybody's playing ball down there except for the Tigers and the Orioles. And the Orioles, you know, they will soon, I think. They just, uh, and, and maybe that's a, a sign. I don't, I don't see the Phillies or the Orioles linked to any of the guys in the top 40 on fan graphs either, so. But, I mean, you, you know, know some, some teams do it well, like the Yankees. They're going to get... Jason Dominguez, who people think would be like a top five pick in the draft if he were eligible. Wow. So yeah, and then yeah, I mean it's you're getting it's a it's a great way to get talent. Yeah, and the White Sox have done very well. Though. I think I, I always think of the White Sox come to mind of mining talent down there in terms of from a divisional standpoint. But uh, no, um, I, and for the Orioles, I mean they have Diaz, who's their one of their pro- top prospects right now. But yeah, expect the Orioles to come back in that market or yeah, get in there. That's you know. what they got him from the the Dodgers, I believe. Yeah. yeah so, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's you know it's it's another fun thing to talk about the J two kids, but it's even more kind of abstract than their draft because these kids are still two years away. The best of them are still two years away, generally from even playing baseball in the United States. So, it's it's tough to remember them. You know, we got, uh, like you said, Adenso Reyes and Jose de la Cruz signed at this time last year, and we talked about them, and they just started playing professional baseball in the Dominican like a month ago. And if they do well, we'll see them in the Gulf Coast League next year, possibly. So it's, it's which is, you know, a year from now. And then maybe a year later, if they do really well, they're in full season ball. So it's just, it t- takes a long time. Yeah, except for guys like, I don't know, Wander yeah, Franco, every, Wander Franco. Franco. 
the yeah, Nationals. Yeah, uh, yeah. Juan Soto. Yeah, when when they are really really good, they move really quickly. But for the most part, they take a long time. Oh yeah, you're right. And uh, but yeah, patience aside. And then we have a questions, Chris. So let's get to the questions real quick before we wrap up the show tonight. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, we had two questions. One was from let's see, who is this one from? Steve Butts. Steve, Steve Butts, Butts fan of the show. In honor of 1984, what is your favorite memory of the best moment from that season? The Dave Bergman versus Roy Lee Jackson 13-pitch battle. The game of chess between Gossage and Dick Williams and Gibby and Sparky. He don't want to walk you. Sparky swing away, gesture, beaming smile. Uh, so this is, I think this is a better question for you, but I will say, because in all honesty, I don't remember the 1984 season. I turned four right before the World Series. I remember absolutely nothing from that season. I've seen clips and, and heard stories and stuff like that. But, you know, nothing sticks out. I don't really have any memories of the Tigers until about 1987. But, you know, knowing the history and going back, I, I have a feeling that it, were it to happen today, the thing that would probably stick out most to me would be Trammell's two uh, home runs in, what was it, game four? Yeah. That's, um, yeah that's because, right. you know, at that point it's a 2-1 series. And, Tram, you know, it just it would fit with what I like. Like, it's a close series. It goes either way. And then your star, young shortstop who does everything comes up and just you know, two huge home runs to win the game. And it's just like, yeah, that would, that would, I'd be way into that. So I don't know if that's a big memory for most people, but I think that's what I would like. So, okay. I'm, I'm the same boat as you. I was, I was just the same age as you. So for me, I watched, there's a lot of games on YouTube. I've watched, I've watched a lot of the, I watched, I have a video on the 84 Tigers and, and just the, it's a like championship. So they have, they have the World Series on there. You can watch all the games in the World Series from the 68 and 84 team. Um, and and I've, I've read a lot about the 84 Tigers. I've watched a lot of the stuff. And, and you know me, Chris. I've, I, I, I think mm-hmm. that I've proven this over and over again that I, yeah, I, 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 I love uh, history. Yeah. This is your bag. <laughs> um, so for me, I think because as I mean, the 87 Tigers – were special to me because I, I was able to watch them, watch Tana go out-duel Jimmy Key. And Toronto at one point in time was like sacrilegious in our house. You know, you don't talk about the Jays. Jays were kind of that thing. And so for me, it was getting, like, in terms of just memories of it, so because I don't have specific game examples. I mean, I, I, I could talk about the World Series, of course, and, and what I've seen, but I'll, I'll give two favorite memories. It was really... Be able to the, the the clincher to close out against the 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 it was I believe the Brewers. It was the Brewers um, when they clinched to win the division, and the Jack Morris no hitter, which I watched. I've watched that on YouTube um, or listened to the broadcast during Harwell doing the broadcast. Um, but the 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 reason why that hit no hitter had a lot of significance is one, it was the first no hitter for the Tigers in twenty five years, not since Jim Bunning did it, and second. It was one of the ugliest no hitters of all time. I mean, he had I think like eight, <laughs> like eight walk. I mean, he had eight walks. It was something like, um, it, it was he he labored through. It was a cold day in Chicago. It was against the White Sox, and this is Tommy or Tony Larusa's uh, Tony Larusa's White Sox. Hey, you can watch the game on YouTube, and but the, the, it was just the, the game was itself was just was kind of error ridden a little bit too. Um, in terms of just, it was a cold day, not error-ridden, but just Morris's stat line of the day was he had yeah he had six walks, 
Yeah, yeah. Nine innings pitch, six walks, eight strikeouts. Yeah. It was what the the fifth game of the year? Yeah, it was uh let's see, no, actually was it the fifth game of the year? Um fourth game yeah, of the year. Yeah, fourth yeah, fourth game of the year. And the White Sox came in and they were contenders in the West too. They I, they won their first division title in eighty three in a while. So this is a team that um but either way, this is a team it was oh, it was an ugly no hitter, but I was still I had memories of it because it stands out. I mean, it was something, and because again, we wouldn't see another no hitter until Joseph Verlander. So, but the Tigers clinching the division in mid September is something that stands out because the Tigers didn't have like it uh, until until then. It was the, the fruition of Jet, what what Sparky Anderson said. It was the start of it. And so, I mean, the whole thing. And here's the thing: how you knew it was going to be a uh, a, a game of the Jack Morris game real quick. Jack, uh, the one thing I remember was is that Kirk Gibson, who notoriously has a bad reputation for playing bad right field, made a really good catch against the deals that was think of Rudy Law. Rudy Law hit it, and he was able to fight the wind, and he was able to make a good catch on that. So um, that's what stood out to me about I'm that. Looking, uh, there have been, I, I'm looking, I just searched no-hitters with at least six walks, and uh, they're actually more than I expected. Yeah, because they don't want AJ, AJ Burnett threw one in 2001 with nine walks. Wow, really? Yeah. Dwight wow. Gooden had uh, six walks and five strikeouts in his uh, no-hitter. Doc Ellis walked eight in his famous no-hitter. Oh, the one he was <laughs> on LSD? Yeah, Edward Jackson walked eight. Yeah. And I, and I, yeah, and I did double-checked myself. It was the Brewers. It was September 18th against the Brewers. So that stood out to me, and, and it was the same kind of – emotional feeling I felt when the Tigers clinched the division in 2006 because that was, I got to witness the whole season. In 84, I didn't, unfortunately. No, I mean, because of age, whatever, but still, yeah. um, it was the same kind of feeling. So, yeah, those are two. Those are my two. Yeah. Cool. And what's the next question? Uh, the other question we saw was from Ed Miller, Ed Miller 19. He said, what changes would you two make right now after the All-Star break? Who do you want to see in September? Um, so, I, I uh, did you do the do this. I was finishing this up right before we got on the air. Yes, I did. I, I, go ahead, little yeah. Chris. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't. I just did it. What I would do right now. I didn't consider what I would do later, just because. But part of this is, is partially later. So um, I'm going to try to be realistic. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to do any fake trades or anything like that. Uh, just roster moves. And some of the roster moves I'm going to do. I'm not sure if they're legal. I don't know if you can just cut guys who are injured. I don't know what the rules are on that. Oh, hey, the Wet Sox. The Wet Sox did that today. Remember. It, but is, it, was Alonzo injured? No, but I mean the DFA people who were performing as your tweets said that was that actually cracked me up quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I just don't know. If, I, I don't see why you can't do it, but I, I don't know the minutia of the rules. Anyway, right now the Tigers have forty-four men on their forty-man roster, and that's because four people are on the sixty-day DL, which doesn't count on the forty-man roster, I guess. Um, so there's not really forty-four on there, but they're forty-four protected, I guess. Uh, and, and Moore and Fulmer aren't coming back. And Ross, who knows? And Harrison, who knows? I guess we assume they're coming back. But uh, yeah, just starting by position, the first thing I would do, you know, Grayson Griner is on the IL right now. Uh, Bobby Wilson, God love him. Good fat man playing baseball. Nice to see. I would DFA him and I'd bring up Jake Rogers. That's the first thing I would do. Um, Real and quick, too, keep... did you see the Grayson Griner thing? That room, like, did you see that his locker got cleared out? He's reporting in Lakeland. That was a strange. Yeah, that was. I, I don't know if that meant anything really other than yeah. they. Like well, in, in my idea, yeah, I mean he would he would stay in AAA after he rehabs in Lakeland, comes up to AAA, he stays there, 
and see if he can find his bat. Uh, and, and you give Jake Rogers a chance. He's 24, 25, whatever. Uh, it's time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and could Rogers be worse than Griner? I suppose anything's possible, but Griner literally has the worst WRC plus in baseball this year among players with 150 plate appearances. It's 34. Um, I think Jeff Mathis might be worse, but it would lower plate appearances, but this is a regular with a 34 would run the plus. And I'd also consider cutting John Hicks and using Griner as the backup. Uh, maybe make Hicks and Griner fight for it. That one might be fun. Keep the locker room lively. Uh, nothing really at first base. I guess, you know, keep Cabrera as a DH and use Hicks. Uh, I don't know, whoever that is putting anybody at first base. Uh, second base, I cut Gordon Beckham and Josh Harrison. I, I understand, you know, hey, you need rosters and good for these guys and whatever, but uh, who gives a shit? Seriously. <laughs> like, so, I mean, I, honestly, like. You know, they, they brought these guys in. They brought Harrison and Mercer in to be, like, veteran leaders or whatever. And he's not there anyway. And who cares? It's, you suck. Nothing's going to change. Um, I'm sure you don't want to eat a couple million dollars or however much you owe them. But, yeah. And, and Beckham, you got for free or whatever. Like, I mean, they're paying them, I think, the minimum. But, um, so, yeah, they Beckham comes off the 25-man. Harrison, I already said, was on the 60-to-80-L. So, he, he drops off the – he drops the 40-man to 43 or whatever. And Beckham comes off the 40. So, and then at shortstop, I cut Jerry Mercer because, again, it's the same thing. Who gives a shit? Like, you know, it's not working out. He's almost back, but whatever. So that drops the 40-man at 23 and leaves us with 42 on the 40, basically 40. Uh, I call up Lee Castro, and I have him and Nico Goodrum basically alternate between shortstop and second base. Just whatever. See him. Get him up there. Play play with the young guys. Um, and then uh, – in the outfield, I, I call it Victor Reyes, who I don't like, and I don't really believe in him. But what the hell? You know, they use the Rule 5 pick on him. Sink or swim, man. Go out there and, and play. And, you know, once if they trade Nick Castellanos, I'm playing him every day in the corner. And, and show me if you can do anything. And if you can't, and I don't think you can, then you're gone probably at the end of the year. Uh, or you're in AAA. You know, I'd like to bring up, like, Jake Robson or... or <laughs> I don't know, Dustin Peterson or something like that, but whatever. Like, I want to see the rule five pick that we use that resource on. I want to see what he can do. Yeah. Even though I think I already know what he can. Um, and then I think, so that puts us back at the 25 and the 25 man roster. I cut Austin Adams. We, uh, we just done a 24 again. And then I add Anthony Castro and I call him up to start again, sink or swim. Let's see what you can do. So that, that leaves us with a, a rotation of Matt Boyd, Jordan Zimmerman, uh, Daniel Norris, possibly Spencer Turnbull. We don't really know what's, uh, what's up there. And Anthony Castro. And then if and when Boyd gets traded, I bring up Kyle Funkhauser. And if Castro struggles, I throw him in the bullpen and I send down Nick Ramirez. And uh, if Tyson Ross comes back, I cut him and I bring up Bo Burrows. Hooray. So that's that's what I do. I get cut basically all the veterans they signed and I bring up young guys. And it's going to be ugly. It's not going to be any good, but it's not any good right now. And at least then there will be young guys I want to watch play. All right. Well, you and I sound like we do similar things, but I'm I'm going to be a little different with it because I, I it's, to be different is it's, it has to be the case here. So um, I mainly focused on pitching because hitting wise, I, I I don't think the Tigers have too much in their system right now that can call up and be effective no. as hitters. So I, I that's I, absolutely right. So I decided to go look at the rotation in the bullpen. So here's what I would do: I would let Zach Reisinger go. I let him go. I would let, mm-hmm. um, and I would also let Jose Fernandez go. Th- those two I would let go right now. Why? Just... Simply this. Jose Fernandez is a guy with, with some upside 
But guess what? The Tigers could probably find another lefty who could throw that hard. No problem. They'll be fine. Um, they have one in Gregory Soto. Yeah, exactly. And, and Ryan, are, again, they have another guy that could throw, like, replace him with Jason Foley or Brian Garcia, and you're fine. And that's who I would bring up. I would bring up at some point, once Garcia gets himself corrected, I think you go and see what you have with Brian Garcia for Ryander. So that sounds kind of strange right now, but I think Brian, I think Garcia, before his injury, was progressing well, and you give them, and, and you give them a chance to sink or swim. Same thing. And for, um, in terms of for Fernandez, honestly, you know what? Bring up John Schreiber, and I'll tell you why. I know it sounds like a, a fan thing, but again, John Schreiber side armor gives him a different perspective. Perhaps gives him that feel-good story of selling a couple extra tickets because I know that's what the Tigers would do anyways. Let's not kid ourselves here. Um, excuse me. And that's something that they would perhaps try to try out there. And if I'm trading – so if Daniel, if um, Matt Boyd's gone and Spencer Trimble's getting some injuries, recovering, so what do I do then? Austin Adams, see ya. So I would do that. I would put, put Castro – for Austin Adams, put him on. A, I would start him and place him in the, in the rotation. So then, if you have Shane Green gone, then that spot goes up. You put Kyle Funkhauser in that spot. Am I, am I, okay, I'm, I'm putting that correctly. Okay, I'm adding up correctly. So Funkhauser goes in there. Then at some point, you realize what you so what you have right there with Jordan Zimmerman, DFA Jordan Zimmerman. Honestly, I know it sounds like a bold thing. But he's not. He's going out there. He's doing the best he can. But if there's a way to DFM, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get. I'm just like you know what? I'll we'll eat a salary. I'll bring up Bo Burrows, and see what he has. The end. I mean, in terms of like Beckham, in terms of and here's the thing too about Beckham. The reason why I'm not getting rid of Beckham Rodriguez, or for that matter Daniel Lugo, is because they don't have something to bring up in the outfield. What I would entertain for you, Chris, I think that what I would try to try out and see is. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Is Dustin Peterson is you if you're gonna trade Nick Cassianos? Okay, you know what then? At some point, have either you, when you bring that up, see what you have in Jacob Robson right now. And Daz Cameron has been heating up in Toledo, but I still I still think at some point in 2020 next year, you just let him start. Put Jacoby Jones, mm-hmm. him, Cameron, and Stewart out there next year. Let that happen. But if you but for this year, see what Robson has. See what some of these four foul fielders have. <coughs> Sorry, folks. Um, and then that's it. I mean, I think it's it's somewhat realistic, but it's just allowing yourself to kick the tires without giving up too much of the future. And yeah, so and then in terms of uh, Joe, like Mercer and Josh Harrison, I'm not bringing those guys back. That's at the end of the year; those guys are gone. Simple as that. And then you bring up. Uh, and then, oh, you know what I do too with Sergio Arcantara at some point? Figure out a way to put move him at the end of the year. Why? Simply this: you have a couple light hitting shortstops, and you have this. You have a, a prop, uh, prosp, or excuse me, a crop of infielders you just drafted. Guess what? You're gonna have another dime a dozen shortstop in Sergio Arcantara coming up. Figure out a way to get him off the roster and, and put somebody else there that's gonna be spot worthy. So that's what I do. Yeah, there's a lot of different moves you could make. You could literally argue that 30 people on the 40 man roster can go and it wouldn't hurt. Like it's, it's uh, it's a terrible roster right now. That's the point. I think 
I don't, I don't think they want to try. Uh, but like I said, they're going to lose just as much with some young guys, but at least they'll be worth watching. Uh, it, it's, it's like nobody's coming to the park to see Josh Harrison and Jordy Mercer. Um, I might go to see uh, Ian Willie Castro and, and Jake Rogers just because they're young and, and somewhat exciting. Maybe they don't work out, but at least they're young. Yeah. So. Not to mention, Chris, I mean, what if you have this, if you're excited, everybody's excited about this draft, and these guys start performing pretty quickly, you're going to have to get see, you have to get some rear people already, so. Well, like, and I think we will see that. I think we've foreshadowed it a couple of times. I think we're going to see a number of cuts and retirements and maybe not necessarily at the major league level, but at the minor leagues, we're going to see Scooble went out there and had another really awesome performance tonight. He's, I think that's probably his last start in Lakeland. Would shock me if we see Fajardo move up to Toledo. Manning's struggling a little bit, but he might go too. And, and so, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of movement soon. And with that is going to be some retirements and some, some, you know, letting people go. All right. And was there any other questions? I, th- I thought there was maybe one more. Uh, those are the only two I had. If there's another one, I didn't see it. Okay. I think I'll, I'll see if Steve Bus- – I thought Steve Buss had a possible another one. No, no, it was, yeah, it was the 84 one. I thought he had another one or somebody else had another one. Oh, um, oh, uh, oh, yeah, we do. So, um, so Zach, oh, Zach at, her, at Montana Bad Boy, um, he mentioned – that the Cubs and Red Sox were showing a willingness to part with prospects. Unfortunately, these are also two teams who are part with their top prospects. Though he would love to pry Horner away from the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's what you know. I mentioned that trade earlier. The one, one that I had for Boyd was Horner and Brennan Davis, which uh, you know I think would be good. I think it'd be a good deal. You probably you know, might want to add one other player in there, but if the Cubs are in you know win now mode and, and Boyd would give them another solid starter for three years. I think they might be willing to do that, and that would give the Tigers. I mean, Horner would be their top infield prospect immediately, and Davis would be, you know, one of their top two or three outfield prospects behind, uh, you know, Green and Meadows, and maybe Daz. I don't know. By the end of the year, like I said, he might be a top 100 guy. So, I would love a deal like that if they could do it. Yeah. The Red Sox. The Red Sox are a little bit tougher. They, uh, their top prospect is probably Tr- Tristan Casas. Or however you pronounce his name, he's basically a first base only power hitter. You might have to. They've got Darwin's and Hernandez as a lefty, who's probably a reliever. Bobby Dahlbeck is kind of an all-or-nothing slugger at third base. I'm trying to think of who else they might have. They probably have some young, interesting guys, but nobody that like super exciting to me. They have who is the kid? Uh, is it Joan Duran? I think his name is. He was seventh rounder last year, and he's yeah. already shooting through the minors, and, and he's like a top 100 outfielder now, but. I don't know. I get wary of guys who do that. It, it sounds bad, but like I remember, who was the, the kid that the Orioles? Was it Hicks? Austin Hicks? Does that sound right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a. Um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. There was it. Was um, it, is it Austin Hicks? I'm looking. That doesn't sound right. Anyway, there, were, there was a uh, an outfielder that the Orioles took in, I think, the, like the third round, and he just blasted through the minors. Made it to the majors in his first full year, I believe. It's like, oh, this guy's going to be great. And then he was just brutal last year, and he's not doing anything this year either, I think. Um, so I don't know. I just get a little bit worried about, it's, it's counterintuitive as that sounds, about college guys who suddenly just need to destroy the, the minors. Was you said um, was, the, was the 2018 draft, you said? I think it was the 
the 2017 draft. Okay, because I'm trying to remember if it was... Or a 2016 draft. I don't know. I, it was a, I, uh, I feel like he made the majors. It was 2016 draft, I think, because he made the majors in 2017. Oh, crap, uh, crap, 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 crap. I think... Let me... Uh, he may have been... I, I Hold on. Let me... I, I can't remember... Somebody somebody knows exactly who it is, and they're yelling at their... Their, their, their respective thing. Yeah. Let's see. It's not um, not, no, it's not McKenna. I was thinking McKenna for whatever. I was thinking McKenna. Um, of course, it, it. All right. No, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna get this. We're gonna get this. Austin Austin Hayes H A Y S Austin Hayes. That's who it is. Okay. Um. Yeah, he he got drafted in 2016 and 2017. He hit. 32 home runs between high A and double A in the minors while hitting 330. And so he made, like, he just blew up the minors. But he didn't walk at all. He didn't strike out a ton, but he wasn't walking at all. He came to the majors, looked okay. And then last year, he went back to double A and hit 242 with 12 home runs. And then he was back in double A this year, hitting 260. And in triple A, he was hitting 216 with one home run. I, you know, yeah. every, every player is different. I just, this Duran kid, I wouldn't make him a key part of a deal. Also, don't trade with Dave Dombrowski. I was just going to say, no, I was just, Chris, I was just literally going to say that because right now the Red Sox, I mean, here's the thing. You see what he did to everybody else, how we fleeced players left and right. How the Tigers fleeced players left and right. So, I mean, what, I, I mean, and, and, and Tony Flores, maybe, um, you know. Well, that's the thing. Like, one of the things about about Matthew Boyd right now he kind of vaguely reminds me of Doug Fister when the Tigers traded for him. You know, um, Fister, I think, it had been a little bit better, but he was just kind of, he was really under the radar. And, and remember, the Tigers gave up to get Fister. It was just nothing. It was a package of, it was a Casper Wells. Casper Wells and a reliever. It was um, and, uh, Chance was Ruffin. It, was it Chance Ruffin? Ruffin? Yeah. And, and, yeah, and then there was also the Francisco Martinez, I think his name was. And there was one other player. I, th- I thought it was four for, for Fister and, was it Percy? Or Polly, it's Polly, I think. I, uh, oh, yeah, was it David? David or well, David? Pauly, not David Polly. Um, yeah, I think it was David Polly. It was it David Polly? Okay, okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like that's the one thing you want to avoid doing with Matthew Boyd. Like, I don't want to see one of these like four-player, okay, prospects. Well, you want no anything to do with uh, you want anything to do with Brian Manta? Uh, uh, well, you know, I was interested in him last year. He ended up being in the Futures game, but I think his. Uh, his command is not so good. No, he's not. His numbers right now in, in single layer have not been good at all. He's, his strikeouts per nine is kind of a concern. Um, but yeah. uh, no, I, I I know Chris. I mean the Red Sox. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't trust David Frosky. I mean he's. Hey, I'll, you know he might be. I'll give you a deal because we're old friends. And in reality, it might be you know all poison for all we know. Yeah. So. So. Anyway. No, I think I think they're I, like I said. I wouldn't mind the Cubs. I don't know if there's a fit for the Red Sox. Um. But, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens in the coming weeks. Yeah, and, of course, as always, John Heyman, the Yankees this, the Yankees that, blah, 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 and he's always going to do that. So the Yankees are going to be tied. And we and I, I gave you my Yankee scenario last week with single-A guys. But, uh, yeah, plenty of roster changes on the horizon for all the Tiger minor league teams. So follow us on Twitter at TigersSRD. I'm, I've been mainly tweeting. But, of course, if you want to follow Chris, and if you haven't already, Chris Brown at 0914, and I am at, at Rodcast81. 
follow me for random baseball reference stuff and also obscure music references. So, um, yeah, so we'll be back next week. We'll look at who, if the Tigers sign any free agents in the, in, the, in the minor league market, or excuse me, in the international market. We'll see if the Tigers, what the movement is between Toledo all the way down the Connecticut. Short season ball is on the way, so check out the Connecticut Tigers. Check, uh, check out the West Michigan. Check out all the minor league teams. Plenty of talent to go around, and of course, visit our friends over at Keon Tiger. Uh, Tip of the cap to Keon, or Kean, excuse me, at Tigers Minor League Tracker for helping us out and just kind of getting us going a little bit with this uh, Mud Hens podcast. That was a lot of fun to do, and we look forward to maybe possibly doing it again. And uh, until then, we'll see you next time.